Hello and welcome to Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson, and I am excited to say that developer conference season is officially here. We're going to be covering all of the major product announcements from the major tech companies like Google and Apple, Facebook, Snapchat, maybe even Microsoft. So to kick things off, uh, we actually had a Twitter Spaces event right after the Google I.O. event uh, to talk about all the product announcements and their brand implications. So this episode is actually just a recording of that event, uh, and we're excited to dive in. So everybody, welcome to developer conference season, and we're kicking off with Google I.O. Let's dive in. It's 904. I think we can dive into uh, our our space this morning. So welcome, everybody. Uh, super excited that you're all here. Uh, as we mentioned, we're breaking down all of the announcements from Google I.O., uh, which happened yesterday, and really what this means for brands and, and marketers. And Adam, I think the first thing that we had to talk about, other than whatever their dragon scale solar roofing is going to be for the new <laughs> campus, um, which is just the coolest name uh, for solar panel roofing, uh, is really uh, all of the shopping features um, that they sort of like started to talk about. So the first thing um, that they announced was the shopping graph, uh, and so the shopping graph is a shoppable search results that. Uh, currently cover about 24 billion product listings um, from a number of you know millions of merchants worldwide um, and really this is a dynamic AI enhanced model that understands the uh, constantly changing set of products sellers brands reviews and most importantly the product information and inventory data that, we, that brands receive and retailers directly um, so this is like a whole new way in which I think Google is positioning shopper results uh, within search and I guess you know why are we excited about this? You know, why why is this a big deal for our brands that are thinking about how their results are going to be popping up in in search with this new um, model? Yeah, well, I think the important thing to know is that it's not just uh, search. I think the reason they're calling this the shopping graph as opposed to just you know whatever the next version of Google Shopping is that it it is it goes across Google Google Search. Uh, and as well as Lens and Photos and YouTube and Chrome. So it's like more, they're, they're really just trying to integrate commerce deeper into a lot of their, their sort of core products. And this is something, a step that they took a couple of years ago when they rolled out a unified shopping cart. Um, and that was sort of on the consumer facing side. Now what they're doing is they're unifying the back end so that all of those things are using the same uh, database of products, which they are, uh, as you said, they're, they're, they're getting a lot of that product information directly from uh, brands and manufacturers. And that's giving them better listings, theoretically, um, and allowing them to sort of, you know, match a, you know, crazy uh, product description on a small independent retailer with something that's at like a Target <laughs> or a Walmart, you know. So I think the 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 important things here are um, that you know they now have seemingly have a native system for for brands to manage their SKUs in, across all of Google properties, which is great. Um, they uh, they are. Also allowing you to like link your uh, loyalty programs uh, for retailers as a user to your Google account, which uh, is useful if you're paying in store or on web on the website with with Google Pay, but also will show up like in in the search results. It'll show up like oh, if you're I think the example was from Sephora, you have we have your Sephora loyalty information, so this product is actually ten percent cheaper for you or whatever. Um, so to show those prices sort of natively in there, of course, tons of data for for Google there about which retailers you actually care about. Um, <laughs> they're also doing some interesting, clever things uh, where uh, you can get native uh, price drop alerts inside of uh, inside yep. of Google. So this is a huge like third-party industry where there are a bunch of different platforms that let you set up uh, price monitoring for uh, when something drops in price. This is interesting because I think it's the kind of thing that retailers might not like. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can see them going either way because on one hand, right. it is helping you cross shop, uh, you know, f compare prices at different retailers for the same uh, item. On the other hand, uh, it is, you know, they want you to know when they lower the price, right? Because that theoretically will get you back to, to buy the product. So it's a little bit of a, a plus and a minus there, but it, it is, I think, a, a nice consumer friendly thing. And a lot of those third party price 
sites are a little scammy. So I think it's good to, to see Google doing that. It's uh, one of those things where um, from like a media perspective, it can like impact your results uh, from like a campaign, right? Because then you don't know if it's like, if there's maybe like a promo code involved or a discount and they somehow find it, you know, off of a podcast or an advertisement and they kind of show it there. Um, it's beneficial that people used it. However, it could kind of skew your media results because maybe it didn't come from the proper channel or something like, like that was listening to to a podcast. So there could be like that implication. Um, so like it's good and bad. <laughs> Probably yeah. good for the consumer. You know, could be bad for our, our analytics. It's definitely good for the consumer. I think for retailers, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, right. I think the one thing that retailers will love is that Chrome is now going to show you on your the, the page that shows up when you open a new tab. It's going to show you item what they call open carts items that you've put in your cart on various websites that are connected to google that are uh that you haven't checked out with um retailers will love that because uh, a cart abandonment (laughs) is a huge uh, issue um so just having that right there in in your face when you open a new chrome tab every time is uh i think actually good for retailers and maybe annoying as a consumer like sometimes i I have abandoned that (laughs) cart on purpose like make it go away um i hope there's a way to quickly clear things out of there that i don't actually care about um, mm-hmm. but I think, and, and then the last one, which I think is sort of emblematic of the entire thing is, uh, that they, um, are, have announced this partnership with Spotify, uh, Shopify, not Spotify, sorry, <laughs> Shopify, <laughs> um, <laughs> Shopify who are really sort of, you know, we, we talk about them as cement have having cemented themselves as the, the, the plumbing for e-commerce for everybody that's really mm-hmm. outside of, of, of Amazon. Um, they are the way, the way that small businesses and increasingly large businesses and large brands like Nike are are selling to uh, to consumers and Shopify tends to be there on day one with uh, like when when TikTok is launching e-commerce when Instagram yeah. launched e-commerce uh, when Snapchat launched e-commerce they they are they they are there on day one providing a turnkey way to plug into those new new platforms it's good to see Google embracing them as well because that's Shopify's whole promise is that they're the one-stop way to do that and and that that is why mm-hmm. you see brands like Nike experimenting with them where um I don't think the entire Nike e-commerce platform is running on Shopify, but they certainly use them for certain products as a way to, uh, so that they can be in these new locations selling on day one. So uh, it's good to see that integration with Google as well. Yeah. And I was doing some extra just like reading about that. We're not entirely sure what the details or the specifics around that um, partnership are going to be, but it seems like it's just going to be an easy way to have you know, merchants on Shopify be able to put their uh, products into the Google search results for shopping that might come up. That kind of seems to be the overarching feature. Um, But the exact details are still kind of TBD. And um, based off a couple tweets, it looks like it'll be rolling out with more details in the in the coming months. Um, The other thing I did want to just comment on is that, you know, they are bringing a lot of the shopping, um, you know, search results across many different parts of the platform. Like we mentioned, there's going to be uh, Google search, there's going to be image search, there's going to be Google photos, and even YouTube. Um, and one of the interesting examples that they talked about was this idea of how you can, as a consumer, um, search your own personal photos on Google photo through Google lens, uh, to kind of do like a product search. So now when you go into like your, your Google photos and maybe like you take a photo of uh, a really interesting, you know, um, scene outside a coffee shop or in your house, uh, you can actually use the Google lens product to do an image search, uh, of the scene to kind of find products or similar products within that, um, photo, which I think is pretty interesting and kind of integrating a new, uh, point of search when it comes to shopping and thinking about how individuals can kind of more, um, you know, tailor their results to their, to like their photos and the things that they like, um, on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's kind of a very interesting use case for Google lens and kind of how they're starting to roll out that product, you know, more, uh, integrated across the entire suite of, um, you know, Google's products. Yeah. Lens has been with us for a few years. It's been sort of slow, Mm -hmm. slowly creeping into other areas. I think in the same way that, uh, things like Google, duplex have been expanding slowly in functionality Mm -hmm. and just going to more logical places. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think this, you know, it it lends it's, uh, it's now sort of a blanket term for all of Google's image recognition tools, um, which is, Mm -hmm. is fine. (laughs) Yeah. 
I think the only question then, uh, you know, I think I have about a lot of these announcements is that um, from like a, you know, like a brand perspective, a lot of this innovation is happening kind of on like that product side, right? It's happening with your SKUs. It's happening with like the, you know, a brand's infrastructure and their e-commerce platforms. Um, And I haven't really seen any clear ways Google's talking about like how brands can make sure like they're properly integrated into all these new features like that are coming out. It seems like that's still kind of in a gray area of what the proper procedures and processes are to make sure that your products are showing up in these potential like results. I don't know if you well, if you got that same feeling. Uh, I mean, I can I can tell you I can tell you what the what the answer is. The answer is oh, well, there we go. is that uh, <laughs> you have to be working with your Google rep and paying them for for placement. Uh, like the, there, there are two op, there are two ways in there. One is that that you you talk to your Google rep and you you know arrange for some trade of data where you are are somehow constantly updating your SKUs in their shopping graph and in exchange for that getting better placement. Um, And probably that is coming as part of a a, a larger uh, ad deal. Um, And then you, the other option is the self-service option is Shopify. That's what the Shopify announcement about is about is, is that if you do not have that Google relationship, if you're not big enough to have that relationship yet, Shopify is the way for you to participate in this, uh, in this ecosystem. It's good point which i think is really smart because they're not they're not trying to reinvent the wheel they're not trying to make a new place for you if you're a, a d2c startup they're not trying to make a new place for you to go and list your products um this is their strategy their strategy against amazon and this is of course entirely about google versus amazon um is that <laughs> their strategy is amazon is you know a destination you have to go there and set all that stuff up yourself mm-hmm. um, G- google is about aggregating right they're trying to aggregate all the other retailers and that means that you D2C startup with one product is, are going to show up right next to search results from Target and Walmart in, in Google. Um, and that yep. has its advantages. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I, I think, uh, Ben Thompson calls it the anti Amazon alliance. It's just everybody is, you know, Target and Walmart do not really want to be working with Google, but they will do it because, uh, Google is going to <laughs> help them, uh, help them you know, fight against Amazon and people that are, right. are finding their products on Google are not necessarily going to target.com or walmart.com to, to start their search. And that's where they want to get you to eventually, but they, they know that there's uh, consumers to be had from, uh, from Google, from Google. It's a good overview. I'm excited to see the competition between the Goliaths of uh, e-commerce, <laughs> Google versus Amazon versus Walmart targets. Um, it's a very interesting uh, space and how that all kind of comes together. But I think that's a, a pretty much a overview of all of the shopping products and features that Google has announced. Um, I think the one thing that's still outstanding is the YouTube shopping functionality uh, that was announced uh, before Google I.O. And that is going to be rolling out, it looks like, in the next couple of months here. Uh, for some native, uh, um, you know, shopping experiences on on YouTube, which we've talked about previously. Uh, so you know, keep an eye out for that, and we'll keep everybody updated on how that how that goes. So next up, we're we'll be talking about some Google Maps and and AR. Um, so uh, yesterday at Google I/O, Google announced some uh, pretty interesting uh, updates to the Google Map, which is a very popular utility app, as as we all know. Uh, and one of my, I think, uh, favorite features that, that they announced was that Google Maps is now going to have a um, eco-friendly routing for your uh, traveling. So it'll kind of help you figure out the ways in which it is the uh, takes the less amount of gas, I believe, uh, to get from point A to point B, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. I don't know if it's going to be useful because <laughs> I think sometimes people like to, like to save time uh, and and get there the fastest. But um, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, update to the to the Maps product that could be um, you know useful for consumers that are looking to you know kind of reduce their uh, carbon emission out in the world. Yeah, they're also launching safer routing, which is using AI to process data from like road mm-hmm. conditions and weather and traffic conditions to calculate the safest route. It's interesting. I kind of feel like these are not even necessarily for consumers, but they're they're like feature routing features that they're lining up for autonomous vehicles, basically. Um, and uh, then it's less, yep. less about, and sure, the eco-friendly thing, like some people will use it occasionally. Um, I'm curious how that would, if you're driving an electric vehicle, how that would balance 
is that like improving battery life also? Because that might be a thing, obviously, that you might want, depending on your preferences. Um, but I, yeah, it's when they were talking about the safer routing thing, I was just like, how dangerous? <laughs> how dangerous is it in the other route? Like, I need, I need a quantifier, you know? Like, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's. I just think it's, it's interesting. It, to me, it seems like it's all for autonomous vehicles, and this is just yeah. Them. Uh, it's a good point. I could also see that as just being like an update to. Um, you know, or maybe like an improved way of uh, routing around like traffic and congestion and accidents or something like that. Um, and kind of maybe like rebranding, remarketing it with a few extra, you know, added data points or functionality. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, once once it's live, we can all, uh, Adam, we'll hop in your car and we'll take the <laughs> safest route from, uh, you know, Brooklyn out to, uh, you know, Rockaway we've Beach. Got, we've got to do one, a comparison. We have to have somebody drive the safest route, somebody <laughs> drive the eco-friendly route, and somebody drive the normal route and see what happens. <laughs> but what if there's only one route? <laughs> I know, right? It's, you know? it's uh, <laughs> how convenient it is both safest and most eco-friendly. The, the other update that they had for Google Maps, which I thought was... Um, pretty interesting was the um, dynamicness that they're going to make around the time of day and what is going to be surfaced when you open up uh, your Google Maps uh, a- application. So uh, in the morning, if you it's like 9am like it is now and you're looking for a coffee, uh, the maps will display more prominently, you know, bakeries and coffee shops. Uh, whereas if you're looking more in the afternoon or the evening, uh, it'll display either bars or restaurants, you know, things that are a bit more contextually relevant to what they think you're probably going to be looking for uh, when you open up Google Maps. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's very, you know, interesting and unique. But from like a brand perspective, uh, I think understanding, you know, how this dynamic, you know, um, results are going to pop up within Maps is a good way to make sure that like your retail locations or uh, your um, just like physical like lo- locations are being populated um, at the proper times and have a better contextual alignment to a potential uh, customer. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite thing was um, they're they're expanding the concept of uh, of busyness, which is something that they they've brought mm. a couple of years ago to to a lot of businesses in, in major cities. Which I think is one of the most useful features of Google Maps, being able to see in real time uh, how crowded, let's say, a restaurant you are thinking about going to might be. Um, yeah. But based on both real time data and also historical data, I find that super useful. Um, but the uh, they're expanding that to neighborhoods. So if you are like in a, I think this is mostly useful for traveling. If you're like in a city and you're like, oh, I want to go explore this place or this place or this neighborhood or that neighborhood, you can see how crowded it is. So you might not want to go when if there is a popular sort of tourist destination and it's very crowded in that right. neighborhood, you might want to delay that. And I think that that's just, I don't know, just a very cool use of data. That's the kind of thing that, that Google is good at. And I'm glad to see them expanding that feature. Yeah. Um, I love the example. I think it was like the um, there was like a like like a fountain in Rome that they're like you don't want to go here well, during these times it's way too crowded <laughs> or like the Game of Thrones steps uh, in um, Dubrovnik or something. It's going like to be that. like guess what? It's always crowded. You have to go yeah, at three was, in the morning. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> did you know Times Square is always crowded uh, except from the hours of like three a.m. to five a.m. Uh, that's funny. But but uh, they but, are they are doing the relative thing, right? So it's not that like obviously there's always more people in Times Square than there are in uh, you know uh, in parts of Brooklyn or whatever. Right. It's it's about right. like compared to normal, how busy is this area? Which I think is you know again, it's just it's it's smart. It's a smart feature and uh, I I am glad to see them investing in it. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, I guess like the shift here is talking about some AR uh, announcements from Google. So uh, one of their updates is going to be indoor AR navigation. Uh, it's going to, it's coming to select train stations and airports. Um, so we know Google announced, I believe, maybe not last year, but like the year before that uh, they were going to do um, street view AR navigation. So the classic example of if you hop out of a subway and you don't know where you are, you pull your phone up, it scans you around, and then you have a, essentially an AR experience that'll tell you which way you want to walk. Um, so it seems like they are just expanding this you know, indoors to more locations to make it easier for individuals to uh, not get lost, uh, whether they're inside, outside, or uh, in some place new. And I think, again, uh, this ties well into potentially 
this summer as we're going to start to see more people out and traveling. Uh, you know, we haven't been outside in a year, so people probably have forgotten, you know, which ways they should need to go. Um, so here's just another great feature to help uh, individuals, you know, navigate uh, around. Yeah, I actually think the AR view of navigation is more useful indoors than outdoors because outdoors you're normally on a street and it's like pretty clear where you're supposed to turn. I think indoors sometimes it can be a little less clear depending on the design of the, the train station or the airport. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that kind of covers all of the the Google Maps and the AR um, updates, I guess. Oh, there's actually one more. Um, there are two more, I guess, you know, a- APIs uh, that are going to be expanding um, AR capabilities for, for Google, which are called the Raw Depth and Recording Playback. Uh, and so basically, this is a new... Um, API that is going to be integrated into the AR core developer kit that really helped create more realistic looking AR experiences. Um, and the example they showed during the Google IO event was essentially um, athletes that you could place in AR around you that were essentially doing a pre-recorded routine where that was, you know, juggling a soccer ball uh, or the Olympic gymnast um, Simone was doing her um, like signature routine off of the, um, I don't know the name of the, the beam, the beam, right? Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the beam. Um, so it was, it's just cool to see how they're, they're continuing to, to experiment and kind of bring AR and new ways into search uh, and kind of showcase that for uh, a new way to engage with, um, you know, consumers and audiences. So I'm happy about this. I like how Google continues to develop uh, in, in the AR space. And uh, for me, especially when it comes to just, kind of thinking about you know search results and like the like the consumer shopping journey um google is a really great place especially in search to have an ar experience uh to really get people to start to play with an object to discover a brand a product um when they're at like that like first point of discovery um so i'm excited to see what google continues to roll out in in this space um just because i think they have a really prominent you know point of interaction uh within the consumer journey that will be beneficial for brands to host these experiences for um consumers i and i think you can just say that we we have a, a project with a brand we're working with that is launching <laughs> uh, with, in, in a google <laughs> ar view on on monday next monday so i think yeah i think we can tell people that something is coming next monday <laughs> yeah it's going to be great everybody Look out for our tweets. Uh, yeah, and uh, I actually, I think it. I think it's a better use of AR than uh, than watching gymnasts in my living room. I, the, this, the athletes <laughs> thing was like, I get it, but it also it's probably just because people search for them a lot that they're like using them. It was a little mm-hmm. weird to me because they're not. It's not AR video of these people. They're like CGI versions of them, and I was like, right. what, are, what? Okay, it's. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Google's getting into the the CGI people uh, in the vein of Epic's metahumans. So uh, I think we saw we saw Google's version of a, a, AR uh, and or, or CGI people for the first time yesterday. Well, do you want to just go right into the future of work with Smart Canvas and, and Project Starline? Uh, all right, all right. yeah, sure. Okay, so so that was from Project Starline, which is a. Uh, it's like a basically a phone booth for 3d (laughs) video it's not video though that's the thing is it's a it's like a a depth mapped they're using something that is like you know a microsoft connect or a face id camera that is Mm -hmm. scanning you in 3d in real time and making and then putting it on a putting you on a screen that is sized and optimized to look like you were sitting across a table from the person who was in the booth. So you would need two of these booths on one on either side. And then you, but you don't, you're not seeing a video of the person. You are seeing a CGI version of them, which mm-hmm. is like, I, I have a lot of questions <laughs> because <laughs> I can tell <laughs> the thing that frustrated me a little bit about yesterday. Most of it was great. The thing that frustrated me a little bit about it was that Google really loves to blend blur the line between R&D and shipping product. And Mm. they have a lot of, I think, desire to show off R&D more so than other than a lot of the other tech companies that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks as we get into developer conference season. Google, I think, is the most sort of R&D forward in terms of what they want to show publicly. Um, They talked a lot about, you know, their various machine learning things and the new tensor processing units and all this stuff that, like, consumers are certainly never going to touch. Mostly developers are never going to touch. No one outside of Google is ever going to really 
touch or, or interact with, um, except they just want they want you to know because it's part of their branding to to you know be sort of to seem ahead of the curve in these things regardless as to whether or not they actually are it is part of their their sort of employee recruitment and retention to like make be like a place for research mm. and as as we you were sort of talking about at the at at the beginning, that's actually where a lot of the employee discontent has been is in their like their, you know, um, artificial intelligence research unit, um, which has been uh, where a lot of uh, sort of tensions around uh, DEIB uh, have been for good reason. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that that they wanted to it, it's part of their branding, you know, they, they wanted to put all yep. of that out there. But it is when you get into a two hour long thing, it's like a little bit like, okay, but why? Um, and th- this, this project Starline is a really big, but why for, for me, because I understand that this is a thing that you as Google can do, but is this really better than of, I feel like they made a big deal about sort of talking about it as like, you're getting more information because you're seeing the person in 3d. It's like, okay, but are you getting more information than an actual video feed of the person? Because they're being, you're ta- you are inevitably losing information. You are losing some kind of micro expressions and stuff because you're not able to capture those and CGI them in a, a totally mm-hmm. accurate way. So I don't know. I, it, it feels like a gimmick <laughs> to me. It feels like, uh, we, we threw some R and D money at the, the future of work and remote working and telepresence. And this is what we came up with. I mean, the demo looked great, <laughs> but does it? That's the it. Look, it looks like you're sitting across a table from a like. If we if we set up did the same setup with a 2D video, why is it better that it's a 3D scan of a person that is turned into a CGI character than just a life size scaled high ultra high resolution video of that person? That's the thing that I'm not quite. I don't think anybody's really hmm. thinking about because we're not experiencing it because we're watching it on a stream, obviously. But right, like, right. like I, I just don't, it, this is going to be so much more expensive and so much more complicated. And I think in, in terms of like information density in, in the idea of like how much information you are communicating, what is the bandwidth of communication between two humans? Uh, this is actually lower than really good video. I think. I don't think 3D is like a a, a thing that we. It it is it is obviously better than 2D, but like I think the the move away from video to CGI people loses something. So hmm. that is my opinion. <laughs> I know I love it. Um, I mean, for me, it's like we need to see it to see what it looks like. It's like there could be something very much focused on like the emotional connection between two individuals as they sit across from each other because it does feel more real life to your point you might lose some of that you know data that's transferred but hey i don't i don't know this this one to me was one of those kind of like moonshot projects i was like huh interesting this is what like the like the most cutting edge uh you know future of work conversation or product they're going to be talking about um is in in the process and apparently there there are enterprise clients that are signed up to use it so maybe this year we'll see how it all kind of comes together in some additional product videos but um you want to dive into to the smart canvas i thought this was super interesting yeah um and this is kind of their like like they're building it's basically an update to their entire work uh space uh, of sheets and docs and slides uh to better reflect the ways that we've been working for the past year uh it seems like they're really integrating um you know, all these products together and video to make a all-in-one Google essentially canvas where you can work, collaborate, video conference, chat, uh, keep track of your documents. You know, it has like a, has like a Trello integration or like a Trello, not integration, but like a, um, like tool that is similar for project management. It just seems like this is like they're, they're fully revamped. Here's how we're working remotely, uh, and product suite out there. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that one of the biggest things is that it no longer defaults or will eventually when this rolls out, it will no longer default a new Google Doc to a print view of the, (laughs) which is just like really long time in coming. But I I think 
it's interesting because Google is stuck in this interesting place where they have to maintain compatibility with like older file formats and with things like Microsoft yep. Office because that is their main competitor for Google Docs. But all of these features are really about competing with all of the startups that have sprung up in the sort of collab office collaboration, yep. workplace collaboration space, trying to add things that, you know, they and, and, and acknowledge that people use, uh, you know, Google Sheets for project management tools when there are actually much better ways to do that and to like build some of those <laughs> improve some of those features for those use cases. Um, so I think all of that's good. I just, it's, um, you know, I saw a lot of people, you know, tweeting yesterday about how, oh my God, Google has like a full product pipeline for, you know, Google, uh, for Google workplace, which is what we're now calling it. Um, mm -hmm. which is like, okay, but yeah, but let's see, hang on a minute <laughs> because with anything with the, with these Google products, um, the reason that people were excited about it is that there have been barely any major updates for years. So like, right. Maybe this will all roll out. And I actually, for this one, I think it, they'll probably actually will ship all of the things that they, they showed today or yesterday. But that doesn't mean it's going to get this much attention going forward necessarily. <laughs> um, so I would just be I would I would temper your expectations because as we know, Google as a company tends to uh, kill things, tends to lose focus <laughs> and like get easily distracted um, by uh, by you know. I I just I just want to be able to have a Google Doc and not have to like share my screen, but instead. Just have the video slapped right in there, talk to people about it live, make all the edits. And it's just like, to me, that is like the dream. So you don't have to share your screen or your or your window. Um, and then like you lose the people in conversation. It's just like all a nice one uh, window of collaboration. I mean, and that's the dream for me, we'll, Adam, in we'll, 2021. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Google meet is also one of the worst of the, the video collaboration platforms. So, uh, you know, <laughs> they didn't announce any updates to Google meet other than that. It'll just show up in your, your docs eventually. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But, um, as we can obviously tell from you know google's work uh from you know all these new products that are going to be impacting the future of work to just the slew of startups that have been developing uh new solutions that you know from like a brand perspective this lifestyle shift of you know and as we talk about in the outlook the anywhere economy where people are going to be working remotely hybrid work weeks um you know just our entire schedules and even like the idea of like day parts, I think are just going to be completely shifted. Uh, and I think this is going to be behavior that's going to be changing over time. And from a brand perspective, we just need to really be thinking and paying attention to all these new media habits and behaviors and how and when and where people are working, uh, because that is going to open up new opportunities from a, you know, contextual targeting standpoint from, uh, you know, like a, just a, an overall kind of like creative standpoint. I think there's gonna be a lot of new opportunities to, you know, kind of, you know, surround ourselves in this new um style of work we'll we'll see like i said i think the 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 challenge here for google is that they're trying going to try to build one product that straddles mm -hmm. both both people whose entire workflow is still attaching uh you know Microsoft Word docs to uh, to to emails and people who are using newer tools like uh, like Airtable and Notion and stuff like that. And I think it's it's mm -hmm. going to be challenging to appeal to both of those groups at the same time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it all comes together. Uh, and so, Adam, we have two more topics of discussion for for our session this morning. Um, do you want to go with catching up with Apple in mobile and wearable features, or do you want to go into uh, their just repeated emphasis on user privacy and data security? I mean, I think the privacy and security thing we can cover very quickly, and then we can focus All on right. the fun stuff. Um, the cool, you know, there there were a bunch of th this is. Uh, <laughs> All of their announcements talking about privacy and security were very clearly aimed at like Amy Klobuchar is watching. It is very like <laughs> like people in Washington and not just Washington, but around regulators around the world are are mm -hmm. watching what Google is is saying and what every major tech company these days is saying publicly. Um, and I, uh, you know, I I think there were a lot of there's a lot of things like they reemphasized the uh, the that they're bringing this auto delete feature that um is going to uh, be on by default for all Google users that deletes your data after 18 months. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. I don't know that anyone is really concerned about uh 24 month old data and that that's like actually the, <laughs> the problem. Um there's uh 
I don't know. There, there's there were a lot of uh, of of discussions around data privacy sort of throughout, um, but mm-hmm. it's I, I think it's just it, when it comes from Google, it always just seems a little disingenuous to me since we know that they are. It's like when Facebook talks about privacy, Google is not as bad as Facebook. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you, it, you know, they're, they're, they talk about app-based privacy and, and things like that. But then it, we know that there's so much more data that they're gathering from your Android devices or your Chromebooks, if you're using those devices, um, that it, it doesn't necessarily matter exactly sort of on the app-to-app level. Um, you know, there's, they're giving you an easy way to delete the last 15 minutes of your search history. Like, okay, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's basically... Every everything everything that they um, talk about to me sounds like another way of implementing something that's sort of akin to an incognito window, um, and it's like okay, fine, but it's it's I, I think the 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 concern is not about preventing tracking when you specifically know you don't want to be tracked for something. Um, I think it's more about uh, all of the sort of ambient data collection in, at the end of the day. Um, and and they're not that that's not something that they are going to address because they can't because that's their business model. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> well, and so th- so this brings me to, to one of the things that I was like noodling on during this conversation is that, um, you know, obviously, it's great that like they're, like they're talking about some parts of it, right? To kind of give more transparency into what they are collecting, what they won't collect. But even then, it's still very like general. Like we don't know, like as an average consumer, nobody knows exactly what specific data point or you know whatever might be being collected. And I think that's something that's it's like as an industry, it's like what is going to be defined as like creepy tracking or okay tracking um you know what like this there's, there's just so much depth and range to like the data that we have that i think there's just a spectrum and i haven't quite figured out like where on the spectrum um that line or of, of comfortability between like usefulness and then like not usefulness is is going to be drawn um but i just think more and more conversation about it uh is this going to be helpful to like have people to be more okay with and understanding like what data is going to be collected and what's not but like i don't know i, th- I think we said that like there's still like as an industry needs to be like a definition of like what the data is and a, or a better definition does that make sense what i'm what i'm trying to say um or am i losing you here yeah it kind of i mean it sounds like you're talking about things like privacy labels which we know that google will be bringing to mm-hmm. the play store as well eventually um they didn't talk about that yesterday but that that is something that they came out last week uh i i you know, I, I, like I said, I, I think that the, the concern if, if, if that regulators should have and the consumers should have about Google is not the, that they are gathering information when I'm telling them not to, but that they're gathering a lot of ambient information that you're not even actually aware that they're gathering. Um, and that where, where that starts to show up in sort in terms of like targeting data and things like that. You know, I think to their, credit i think that they are building out tools to gather data in a in more um so that they they don't need as much of that ambient data things like these shop shopping tools are designed to that so like <laughs> the shopping tools are actually a lot about google getting data about which third party retailers you were using because they all have to embed google tracking you know for for your abandoned cart to show up in chrome they're going to have to embed google tracking Right yep. into their sites deeply, um, and they're already probably doing that for uh, for analytics and things. But it's you know it's it's like that at least is at least you see it because you as the consumer see the output. I think the concern is when uh, you don't see an immediate output of, of data that's being gathered, and that it shows up in in ways that are creepy. You know, right, right, yeah. The intangibility of it all is, I think, the um, the strongest headwind that companies have to fight against. Um, but all right. Well, that, so I think that, that'll cover our privacy and data security section. Uh, let's round out our, our spaces conversation, Adam, this morning with uh, just some updates on how Google is starting to catch up to Apple uh, in the mobile and wearable uh, features uh, section. So I think the big announcement from a wearable side was uh, with Android 12 and the new Wear OS. Um, it seems like Google's finally here and they're like, hey, Apple, you know, we now have <laughs> some of the similar features and capabilities uh, across our wearable uh, devices. Uh, well, you just made some Android brought- users very angry. <laughs> so pre- be prepared for those emails and tweets. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> 
Um, uh, sorry, I, go ahead. I, no, I was. I, so here's the problem: is that for years Google. There were updates to Android, but they were like very, very minor. Um, we finally saw after after several years a major Android update, which is very welcome because there hasn't been one for a long time, and a recommitment to Wear OS as a platform because Wear OS had really been languishing in the marketplace. And yes, it was shipping on some devices. I know that somebody out there has a Samsung watch that they bought two months ago and they absolutely absolutely love it, um, or maybe not a Samsung watch actually, maybe <laughs> maybe a. a uh, some other brand, I don't know, um, but it, it's the the reality is that Google was not paying attention to these products, as uh, we discussed earlier. They tend to their attention tends to uh, to move in different directions, and and uh, you know I think it, we know that they are actually working on another operating system that eventually will replace both Android and Chrome, Chrome the Chrome OS, um, and I think that there there was a lot of speculation in the developer community that Android was maybe sort of a dead platform walking that it was maybe just there as a placeholder until uh, this, you know, this new, uh, I believe that the code name is Scarlet, uh, was re- was ready to go. Um, Scarlet's been a- kicking around for a while and who knows what's happening there because uh, it has been years uh, for that uh, as well. But it, I think it's it's clear that even if if they are working on something else, they need to be stay competitive in the market with with Apple um, and at least in the US and globally there's a little bit of a less less concern because Android is just so entrenched but uh, in the US they do need to you know sort of stay competitive and and you know I think they want to stay competitive globally because the, you know there is always a, a threat that that could change um, eventually but um, you know so Android got a, a, a new design that has a very cool feature that will like let you sort of use machine learning to let you customize the colors and make them all match and look cool um, they talk about this like it's going to customize every app on your phone. It is not. It's only going to customize apps that use Google's material design, which are mostly Google apps. Surprise, surprise. Um, everybody else is stuck stuck in unfortunate cross-platform hell where their apps look weird and don't look right on Android or iOS um, because they use stupid tools to uh, to create them usually. Um but uh, I, you know, I think that's actually very cool, and I think we actually—I'm expecting it at uh, Apple's WWDC in a couple of weeks—that we're going to see something similar from Apple, similar personalization, um, which went really big on iOS last year, and I think they're going to lean into that. So I think, uh, you know, there that that personalization is the, the the name of the game in in mobile OSs right now. Um, what else? Uh, you know, they talked a bit about. Uh, privacy again there they they oh the the other thing was was sort of the ecosystem right so you can sign into into your chromebook using your android device um, you can access your your photos and messaging and messages uh, from your phone on a chromebook so you can use uh use a, a remote app in the their uh the quick settings to control your your Android TV devices. Um, all uh, there's a digital car key that uses NFC and, and ultra wideband. All of these things are basically mimicking the ecosystem that Apple has. Those are all features that have been part of the <laughs> iOS and Apple ecosystem for years. Uh, not not the sign into your Chrome into your laptop that comes with the watch, but in general, those are all features that, that Apple has announced, um, and some of them have been around for many years. Uh, so it's it's like yeah, it's good to see Google at least going down the and being like, hey, how should our devices work together? And maybe we should take a look at that every three or four years. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so it, it's good to see them do that. Like, I'm, I'm being critical of it because it, I, I wish that they would pay more attention constantly. Uh, there's And it, look, Google takes ideas from Apple. Apple takes ideas from Google. That's just where we are in mobile these days. Um, it, it's good. Everybody should have all of these things. Uh it is, I think, a, a lot of uh, ecosystem entrenchment. I've been I've been telling people uh, for for years now that you, like whatever device you use to stream your television, you should get the one from the, the company that makes your phone. Because even though the Apple TV is not has its it's, it's too expensive and it has its problems, you're going to be happier with it if it matches your phone. And the same thing with with Google, they're they're sort of getting into that place. I know that there's uh I can hear like Nilay Patel like raging against this as a as a as a problem. <laughs> but it also it's I, I get it, but also like it's it's the reality of like Apple and Google don't have any control over Roku. So they, you know, they they have they, they have no control and also no incentive to make that product better. Um, so I think in general, uh, unless you have a specific reason to go outside of 
your your phone based ecosystem, uh, or if you live in a mixed household, you know, God forbid. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you do then. Maybe maybe then you get a Roku, so everyone is 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 sort of equally at a disadvantage. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that, uh, man, that, that, that'll wake you. I, I, I don't even want to imagine <laughs> living it, living, living in that, um, just like conflicting, uh, you know, battle for the TV, Chrome, Roku, Apple TV, my goodness, the um, chaos. And then, so then the last thing, just to piggyback on that ecosystem, uh, thing is they did reinvest or, or announce a reinvestment in Wear OS, which again had also been sort of languishing. Uh, look, Apple dominates the wearables ecosystem, uh, largely because of lack of investment on, on from Google's side of things, I think. Um, you know, Wear OS has been around for a while, but its battery life tends to suck. It's, uh, it tends to not be very fast. Uh, its main advantage seemingly has been, Android integration and you can ship round watch faces, uh, which, you know, okay. Uh, but it, it was, it was really, you know, Google is now working with Samsung who had their own sort of splintered smartwatch platform. Um, so that's going to help that there's now sort of a unified front. Uh, they, they, they are doing some catch up updates there too. Like you can, you can finally do uh, turn by turn directions and maps on your watch, which is baffling that that was not a feature that had shipped before it shows you how how little google actually cared about this platform until yesterday um and uh they did some hand waving they did they they have acquired fitbit and i think everybody knew that they were going to eventually get serious about wearables once that happened uh and they did um bring in someone from Fitbit to talk about the fact that Fitbit apps were going to come to where and sort of power the health ecosystem, which makes sense. Um, and that Fitbit will eventually be making where powered Fitbit where devices. So Fitbit is going to kind of be like the, the, the Google pixel of, uh, of wearable devices where it's Google's brand for, for their watches as well as, uh, also, how, you know, being the brand that is the sort of health and fitness stuff on, on Google Wear. So, you know, that none of that's surprising, but it, like I, I'll be more excited when they start shipping the Fitbit integrations. But um, again, it's uh, I have an I have an Apple Watch. I love my Apple Watch. I would be sad uh, if I was an Android user because there wasn't something equally sort of good on Android. And so it's good to see them investing there. And it's good for, for Apple to have competition. And it's good for there to be competition in the market because there's a lot of work to be done on wearables. It's still very early days. It's not mature. Um, and I think that having a, a strong competitor there will make Apple better and it will make Google better and it'll be better for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, Adam, I think that is going to wrap up our, our spaces this morning. Is there anything else that Google talked about uh, yesterday that you think we should mention uh, or cover uh, this morning? Um, you know, uh, there, there was a big sustainability push, I think, at the end. I don't think that, you know, is surprising for a tech company, but I do think that it is surprising for everyone who's not a tech company. So, you know, I think one of the things that we like to talk about for our, our brands and our clients is not just here are the things that this platform is announcing that impact you, but here are things that they are doing that you should emulate. Um, and one of them is, mm, you know, these, yep. these sort of presentations and how they're structured. I think this one's a little... Maybe not the best one to emulate uh, in terms of that, but I do think that the dedication and constant recommitment, and that basically at every uh, at every public touch point, they are talking about diversity and they are talking about sustainability, and we know those are important to consumers and increasingly more important to consumers. And I think that that is. You know, it's like as a as a as a brand. Maybe every time you announce a new product, there should you should in, in, investigate: is there a diversity angle? Is there a sustainability angle? And if there's not, do we have something else in those areas that we can announce at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, are you Adam? Are you then are you also saying that uh, brands and you know clients should they be having their own keynotes uh, once a year about you know here's the vision for the company going going forward i mean as some of them already do i think i, I think uh you know some of our, our auto men our auto brands do that uh they don't do it uh, as their own event they do it as part of a larger show um but uh, yeah i think that it makes you know it, 
it can make sense depending on, on your product line. I'm not sure it makes sense for like CPG, for example, uh, but maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe maybe you should <laughs> give it a shot. Maybe there's a, a way. I think if, you know, Doritos was doing press conferences about upcoming flavors or I mean, I would be I would be in attendance. I mean, um, we should we should <laughs> we should acknowledge that you and I both also watched a live stream of uh, a, yes. a different, <laughs> a totally different product launch uh, yesterday from Vacation Inc., uh, which, uh, you know, was not as well attended. I think as Google I/O, but uh, I think they, I think that's a great example of a product and a company that doesn't necessarily they're, they're selling a, that particular product was a sunscreen scented perfume um, to Fantastic. go with, to go with the sunscreen that they had already uh, been selling. But I think mm-hmm. that that it was so well done in terms of in terms of the creative and and the sort of yep. rollout of the execution that it it got them a lot more attention than just tweeting out, "Hey, we have a new thing." Right. I I completely agree. And they are building a community around that product and lifestyle and everything that, um, you know, is going to be very, very strong for them going forward. That is a fun company to watch and see how they are bringing their products to, to market. The last thing I think we should just touch on as we close out here is just kind of the overarching theme about how Google really is a leader in uh, artificial intelligence and how they are really weaving this into all of their products. Because at this event, we didn't really, um, they didn't acknowledge or announce any hardware products. This was all very much rooted in software features, updates, uh, and of course, uh, talking about just their decades of experience building, you know, AI models and machine learning uh, models to make these products that much smarter, better, and, you know, uh, more consumer friendly. And I don't know if... I mean, and Adam, correct me if if I'm wrong here, but like, this seems like again, like they Google just seems to be the company that is really um, the leader in the space when it comes to uh, building out, you know, artificial intelligence and 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 then actually making it super useful for consumers uh, and like kind of having that be a core function and a competitive advantage to the features that they uh, develop and roll out versus just making it be marketing speech. I mean, I think that's generally true. Um, I think that there is still a lot of... Uh, uh, oh, I think they are overstating. I, I, look, I think <laughs> I think they are the best. I think there is a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that is... They're doing very well. But, uh, you know, when they... I, I think the reality of the execution can sometimes not be as good as what they show on stage. Um, and I think that's true mm-hmm. of, of all of these products that, that is, that's true of pretty much every product, but it is the most true of artificial intelligence. And, you know, they did spend a long time talking about, we've have this new natural language model that lets you chat with Pluto, uh, the, the planet, uh, and things like that. It's like, <laughs> okay, okay, Google, uh, like <laughs> let us know when that level of natural conversation comes to Google assistant. That's when that, I will be impressed by it. Um, it's not there yet. And I think this, you know, as I said this before, this is one of those, this is a largely branding for them. The, the, all the AI stuff is branding. Um, it, so it is the reason they are talking about it that, that in this event is branding, both for employees and for pr- prospective employees, uh, as well as for consumers. And I think even for, you know, we, I, I've touched on this earlier, I think even for regulators in the sense that I think Google wants regulators to be a little baffled as to how they do some of the things that they do and think that <laughs> It's just all like AI pixie dust a little bit. Um, and I, and uh, I, it's, I'm not saying that it, they're not working on it. I'm sure they are. I'm sure that that does work in the lab, but it is, uh, you know, not when it's not shipping in, in consumer products yet. And that there's a whole mm-hmm. level of complication between doing something in a controlled environment and shipping it to consumers at the scale of Google. And I think that they do that. So it is a little frustrating sometimes when when they're showing you these things that probably eventually will ship to consumers, but not in a useful, rational way for five years, you know? Right, right. Well, I think that's going to be how we end it. Um, everybody, thank you for, for coming this morning and, and joining our spaces. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet at myself, Adam, or the lab account. Uh, happy to answer those. Um, but uh, I think we all have to go jump to other meetings. So thank you, everybody, so much. Thank you, everybody. Adam, uh, we'll talk to you later and enjoy the rest of your morning. Yeah, thanks everyone.